Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk to you about college basketball, the NBA, the NHL, MLB, and of course, our signature segments, your weekly turtle tab, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions here on episode 130. Shout out to Kyle for this fun fact. In the NBA, only 11 out of the 540 NBA players played all 72 games this season. One of those 11 players, George Niang of the Utah Jazz, formerly an Iowa State Cyclone, in case you didn't know, which you probably should have already known that ahead of time. How cool is that? He's awesome. Mr. Mr. Reliability in the NBA, and now he's, we'll get into this in a little bit, but he's on a playoff team. Uh, this season as well, and a very good one at that. But for those of you who aren't so good at math, that's two percent of players that manage to do that, or very, very slightly over two percent of players. So there you go. He is one of two percent of players to do those things. So good for him. Way to stay healthy and way to be reliable. Speaking of reliable, Bill Fenley has been that for Cyclones women basketball over his tenure. Um, he was rewarded for that um, here this last week when he was given a contract extension. Um, his contract now runs through 2027. 2027. Yeah. Yep. So he will be the Cyclones coach. It's a two-year extension. He was under contract through 2025, now through 2027. Um, after the season, the Cyclone women have it makes sense. Um where they were seconds away and probably, as we talked about, better officiating away from a uh, Sweet 16. So look for them to be even better this next year and Bill Fenley at the helm for many, many years to come. Um, But as Kyle alluded to in the intro, it is NBA playoffs time. Um, And this year's NBA playoffs are not what you might be familiar with. So pre-COVID, remember that the NBA playoffs were pretty straightforward. Eight teams from each conference make the playoffs. You play seven-game series the entire way. That's pretty much it. Best of seven, or you play best of seven series, I should say. The rest, the whole way until you get a champion. That's not the case this year. Kyle, you want to fill us in on what they're doing a little bit different here this year? Yeah, so the main difference, obviously, this year is – what Mike alluded to before, eight teams were guaranteed a playoff spot. Only six teams are guaranteed a playoff spot this season. Uh, so six from each conference, and I'll run that down from each conference right now as I have that. Starting in the East, the Philadelphia 76ers, the number one overall seed, Brooklyn Nets, number two seed, uh, Bucks, three seed, the uh, New York Knicks are back in the playoff race as they are the number four seed. The Hawks, Atlanta Hawks are the fifth seed. Miami Heat are the sixth seed. Now out West, Utah was the best team in the NBA all season record-wise. Everyone debated whether they actually were on the court. Uh, as we'll see two former Cyclones on that team in George Niang as well as Matt Thomas. They're the number one seed out West. The Phoenix Suns are the number two seed. You'll see Abdul Nader playing for them former Cyclone as well. Uh, Denver Nuggets are the three seed featuring Monte Morris. Uh, The Los Angeles Clippers, number four seed, Dallas Mavericks, number five seed, and Portland Trailblazers are the sixth seed. So you might ask, all right, how do they figure out who are the seven and eight teams in this 
uh, new playoff format. Well, there is a playoff tournament. Uh, I would say that it is similar to the NCAA first four, but it is not. Uh, So get that out of your mind right now as you're thinking about this. So right now, as it's slated, the seven and eight seeded teams in each conference play each other. Uh, Out of that game, the winner of that game automatically becomes the seven seed in each conference for that team or for that for that conference. So in the East, the Boston Celtics and the Washington Wizards have already played at the time that we were recording this episode. Boston won that game. So Boston is now the seven seed and they will play the Brooklyn Nets in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Also in the Eastern, so in the Western Conference, we'll stay with the seven, eight right now, the Los Angeles Lakers and the Golden State Warriors. Now the Lakers, the former or the reigning NBA champions, they're in the play-in game so far this season. They will be facing off. Uh, Winner of that will move on to face the Phoenix Suns. Now you're like, all right, now what else happens? So there is a nine and a 10 seeded team in each conference that gets to play each other uh, and move on to another play-in game. So in the Eastern Conference, this game has already been decided. Indianapolis Pacers and the the Charlotte Hornets, they played already and the Indianapolis Pacers smoked the Hornets. The Indianapolis Pacers Uh move on. The West of Indiana is calling, and they'd like to inform you that they're the Indiana Pacers, not the Indianapolis the Pacers. Indiana Pacers. Sorry. They play in Indianapolis. They however. do. But the rest of the state of Indiana would also like to lay their claim. Yeah, although there's not much else in Indiana, Indiana besides Indianapolis. Burned to the state. All right. Uh, so the Pacers moved on. They so they're the winner of that 9-10 matchup. They play the loser of the 7-8 matchup. So the Pacers and the Wizards play this game, play another game w- between each other. The winner of that game gets the 8 seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh that is how that is going to be determined. It is a little wonky in my opinion. I think it's a weird way to do it. Um I think I honestly think that they should have probably gone with the how the Big 12 does their play-in game, but that is I am not in the NBA uh, uh, commissioner's office. I think it's a little strange. So then in the Western Conference, I'll I'll just round this out before Mike uh, weighs in. So the Memphis Grizzlies in the Sacramento or San Antonio Spurs, not Sacramento. Wow, San Antonio Spurs. They'll be playing in the 9-10 game. They will face the winner will face the loser of that 7-8 game between the Lakers and the Warriors and move on to face the Utah Jazz in the actual NBA playoffs. Yeah. Um, So my thoughts on this. First of all, I don't like the idea of doing a play-in tournament in the NBA to begin with for the single reason of it's irrelevant. The the, the eight seed is useless, Right. When was the last time an eight seed beat a one seed in the uh, NBA playoffs? It doesn't happen, right? The NBA is such a lopsided sport that it just doesn't happen, right? Your, your eight seed is not better than your one seed in a seven-game series. They're not going to win it, right? So you're, creating, you're taking a team that's already obviously inferior to your best team in the league, and you're 
taking teams that are already, that are inferior to your already notably inferior teams and allowing them a chance to get in the playoffs. It just doesn't make sense. It's artificial, inflated entertainment for a sport where even right even before the first round of the playoffs didn't matter. So um, for based on just for reference for your statistical history on when was the last time an eight seed beat a one seed. So the first time it ever happened was in 1994 when the Denver Nuggets overcame a 2-0 deficit against the Seattle Supersonics, but that was back when they had a best-of-five series in Game 1. Uh, in 1999, the New York Knicks topped the Miami Heat, um, but then the first time that ever happened in a best-of-seven series was back in 2007 when the Golden State Warriors uh, defeated the Dallas Mavericks. Um, and the Memphis Grizzlies did it in 2011. It's actually happened maybe a little bit more often than you think, but it doesn't happen as much as say maybe a wild card team ousting uh, a um, uh, base, like the number one seed in baseball. Basketball is not random. It's a high scoring game, which means more often than not the best team wins and your best team in each conference is better than your eight, your 500 ish eight seed. But since they are going to do this, I like this format for it. Like if you're telling me I have to pick a format for this, I really do like this format. I think it's a very fair format to do it in that doesn't give any artificial advantage to the lower seated team. Um, right. Cause if you did like a straight play in sort of like the big 12 did, right, Kyle, it would be giving, seven, 10 verse eight, nine. Right. And then you're giving it, you're giving, I like that this gives, basically means that one of those nine or 10 seeds that normally wouldn't get a chance, you got to win twice. You don't just got to win once. You got to win twice to get in, right? It's not a one game thing. You got to win twice. I like this format if you're going to do it, but I don't like that you're doing it to begin with. Right. I mean, they already play 72 games in the season. We already know that pretty much the Boston Celtics are superior to the, the Indiana Pacers, right? Let's just look at the standings in the season. So, well, I guess the Western Conference was a little bit closer together, but even so, the Memphis Grizzlies had a five-game lead over the San Antonio Spurs in the Western Conference. So we already know that the Spurs weren't as relevant as the Grizzlies were, but I guess the, the Hornets and the Pacers and the Wizards were all within one game of each other, so... Maybe maybe it's a little bit more warranted, but usually there's a little bit more distance between the the at least the seven and eight teams compared to the sixth team in the league. Yeah, but I mean it make does make for fun basketball. So and it gives a chance for all the LeBron James haters to come out and root against the Lakers. Um, so you know that's going to drive up ratings for ESPN and the NBA. Um, but, yeah, we'll keep following the NBA playoffs for y'all, and uh, we'll let you know how it goes, and we'll keep updating you on future episodes of the 8311 cast. Um, the NHL playoffs are also underway. Um, most first-round series got underway um, last this last weekend with one more here in the Canadian division starting next week. Um, the NHL playoffs are much more normal this year, uh, uh, much more normal than the NBA playoffs. 
Um, there's only one slight change. So the NHL is doing best of sevens in all their rounds, just like they normally do. Um, and the first two rounds are all intra-division rounds. The NHL switched to doing that a few years ago, even before COVID. So basically one team will come out of each division, right? But the NHL used to also have conferences, um, but they did away with conferences this year. So normally the two Western conference teams would play and the two Eastern conference teams would play. And that would result in an East versus West playoff. But now once we get to these, this final four, right, that's no longer the case. So basically they'll reseed the final four based on points. And then that's how they'll determine both home ice and the matchups. So you could have an all East or an all West Stanley cup final, depending on how the, uh, how the bracket plays out. It's certainly possible, but it's a much more traditional bracket with best of sevens um, coming all the way through. So we'll keep an eye on that and we'll inform you on its progress throughout the weeks. But I've always said baseball is my favorite sport but there's nothing more exciting than playoff hockey. So if you've never watched playoff hockey, go watch playoff hockey. There's nothing more exciting than playoff hockey, especially overtime playoff hockey or game seven playoff hockey. So follow some playoff hockey. Just do it. It's good for you. Trust me. Trust me. I know things. What else is super fun and exciting for a lot of fans, I guess if you're in favor of pitching, is – the ever so well rare, but maybe not so rare this season, nine inning, no hitter. Uh, so far this season, there have been five. Uh, the most recent being Spencer Turnbull of the Detroit Tigers throwing one uh, earlier this week. That brings those pitchers to or the list of pitchers this season that have thrown one to Joe Musgrove of the Padres. Uh, Carlos Rodon for the White Sox, John Means for the Orioles, Wade Miley for the Reds, and now Spencer Turnbull for the Tigers. If there was one team that I'm not sure I would have thrown on there to throw a no-hitter this season, it would probably be the Tigers since their starting rotation was a bunch of question marks for me, but good for them. Although they have thrown, they threw a no-hitter against one of the worst hitting teams in all of Major League Baseball so far this season. This is the second time that the Seattle Mariners have been hit, no hit this season. And that's the second time in two weeks that it's happened as well. Uh, They being um, uh, the victim of John Means no hitter for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, It is, this is a record. So the record in the modern era for no hitters in one single season is seven. And so far we're up to five. Uh, but the Mariners have two, which is a crazy stat so far as well. As of May 18th for the Seattle Mariners, they are also hitting 199 as a team, which is not a great batting average as a whole. So Seattle Mariners are having some off or some struggles offensively. Strikeouts are also at an all-time high as as batters just can't lay off the 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 swings and misses and chase pitches. As well, there are only a couple hitters really in Major League Baseball that make contact with the ball on a regular basis. Obviously, one of those we feature a lot on this segment being Will and Zostadio. He puts the bat to ball. Uh, Whit Merrifield is another one of those guys that is that is hard to strike out as well. Um, guys that actually don't chase have a low chase rate. 
but some of these young sluggers, power hitters, have a super high strikeout rate, but they also hit a lot of home runs. One of those that comes to the forefront of my mind being uh, either Miguel Sano or Joey Gallo, the or former Chris Davis, or who Chris Davis for the or Chris Davis, yeah, him, him as well. I mean, Aaron Judge struck out in 19 straight games once. Everybody's striking out, right? I read it. There's a great article about strikeouts on ESPN today that you guys should go find if you haven't. Um, but there was like some insane stats. Like, for example, no Yankee position player had struck out five times in a game until Aaron Judge and Moncarlo Stanton who have both done it twice. It's like things like that. It's just like, strikeouts used to not be a thing like hitters used to hate getting struck out more than anything. And it's been a change of both philosophy from hitting and that um, yeah, a change in hitting philosophy and a change in pitching, right? Spin rates are way up and fastball usage is way down. That's a lot of it is fastball usage is as low as it's ever been. Um, which makes it harder to pitch or to hit well when everything's breaking more than it ever has and breaking pitches are being thrown more than they ever have. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't get how we can both continually tell pitchers you need to strike people out, it's great, and tell hitters striking out doesn't matter. It can't matter a lot for pitchers and not at all for hitters. Either it has to matter for both or it has to not matter for both, Right. Like that's what's created this dichotomy, right? Is hitters have been told it doesn't matter if you strike out as long as you hit for power and pitchers being told strikeouts are better than anything else, right? That's created a dichotomy where pitchers try for strikeouts and hitters don't care if they do. And that's what's caused this rise in strikeouts. It makes for more boring games of baseball. Heck, the Tigers won a game when they struck out 25 times once this year. Like no one had won a game striking out more than 18 times before like the year 1990. Anyway, strikeouts hurt the game. This many strikeouts hurt the game, in my opinion. Um, so, you, Well, you also have pitchers who are setting major league records. Well, Corbin Burns held the major league record of consecutive strikeouts without a walk for a little bit this season before Garrett Cole just broke it recently uh, for the Yankees. So, Pitchers are obviously going for more and more strikeouts, which is apparent between both of those stats. So speaking of pitchers who, um, or just pitchers in general, we have another edition of strange, but true baseball injuries as Huskar Yanoa breaks his hand. So he, the, the pitcher for the Atlanta Braves, he breaks his hand while punching the dugout bench after being removed from a start. Uh, he will officially miss at least a couple months uh, with this injury as it is his pitching hand. Uh, kind of hard to throw a baseball um, well or accurately at all with a broken hand. So not a very smart uh, move by, you know, uh, as, as this is demonstrated. So folks, if you have a poor outing, if you're a pitcher, you might want to lay off punching a hard thing such as a bench. Maybe go for something softer like a like a teddy bear or maybe maybe a bigger bigger guy like Will and Sastadio who can bend a lot easier. Yeah, we, I feel like we just talked about this on the last episode. We did. We're frustrated. 
find a stuffed animal, throw it across the room. It works. Trust me. Don't punch anything. Find a stuffed animal and throw it across the room a few times. You're not going to break anything, and it's a great stress reliever. That, that's your answer. Just if you're at your mother's house, just don't aim it at a like a crystal vase, though. You okay, could break it. Like no. you might knock, just don't knock anything off a shelf. Like you could hit a picture, and as long as you don't knock it over, the picture will be fine. Like find a nice soft. That's what we should start putting in MLB dugouts. Frustration stuffed animals. You're frustrated. Don't smash that water cooler with your bat. Grab that teddy bear and throw it around. But if you smash the water cooler, you're not going to break your hand. Yeah, but you might send a, pe- a plastic shard flying into your eye or something like that. Well, you also probably shouldn't pull a David Ortiz and smash the dugout phones either. You might need those later on in the game. I mean, at least he used the bat and not his hands. Yeah. Also, don't be Brett Gardner and bang the top of the dugout with your bat when you're upset. That's just being an idiot. Two-year-old child throwing a temper tantrum. Yes. I'm glad he got tossed for that when he did it. He deserves it. Anyway. I don't like Brett Gardner. But we all know who you do like, and it's time to talk about the highs and the lows of Willems D'Astadio. Yes, on our weekly turtle tab, like we do every week. Um, he had a pretty Willems D'Astadio-like uh, last two weeks, actually, since we uh, did not come to you last week on the 8311 cast. Um, he's been playing a lot more regularly now with the Twins' injury woes. Um, you know, basically, the Twins have, like, seven injuries to position players right now. It's a little sad. Anyway, um, so he's played a lot. Um, He's still slashing 300, 305, um, 463. So he's definitely still above average on offense. His OPS plus is actually 119, which for people who don't know baseball stats, that means he has been 19% above average offensively. Um, So... Um, we also had another instance of, uh, first of all, Willens Astadio struck out looking once this week or these last couple weeks. That doesn't happen. He struck out looking. He also struck out swinging on a pitch that also almost hit him in the face. Um, but the catcher dropped it and he made it to first base anyway and also slid into first base, um, which was totally unnecessary because the catcher hadn't even found the ball yet. Um, but it was just kind of, you know, a nice funny play. Um, he did get that on-base percentage over his batting average. Uh, if you remember for our last few episodes, that had been under his uh, his uh, batting average, which was kind of uh, kind of cool. But so yeah, that fluke is gone. He also did make an appearance on Monday, and it turned into a horrible kerfuffle. Um, I'm not going to go into it all. If you want more details about the kerfuffle, you can go look it up. But it caused a whole kerfuffle, and I'm just trying to see how many word, times I can use the word kerfuffle here before one of you tells me t- it's time to move on. But go look that up. It's a, it's a big baseball unwritten rules debate, which the three of us have had multiple times on this podcast and talked about again before the episode um, off the air. But yeah, go, go look that up and give us, give us some feedback on your thoughts of the unwritten rules. Hit us up on Instagram or Twitter or contact page. And we'll uh, we'll let you know, or and we'll we'll uh, take your feedback into account as we go forward. Um, moving on to our next signature segment on Mike's stupid rules. So we talked a little bit about uh, interference on our last episode, right? 
So we were talking about it specifically around first base, right? Um, there are, of course, lots of other places you could get interference on fielders or runners. Um, one big one in recent years has been around second base with sliding to break up a double play, right? So um, there was an instance of this in the Padres versus Cardinals game a little while ago. Um, it was a ground ball to second, um, and the fielder goes ahead and goes to tag. It's Manny Machado running, goes to tag Manny Machado, um, and Manny Machado, about two-thirds of the way to second base, slides, right? Which there's a lot of people, that's dirty. He wasn't anywhere near the base. Why is he sliding? First of all, it's a completely legal slide, right? According to the rules, there's um, three things you need to look at. First of all, um, was he in the baseline, right? You have three feet, or sorry, the base path. Sorry, there's a difference between the baseline and the base path. You get to choose your own base path. Anyway, so as long as you're within three feet of that base path, you're good, which he was in this case. He was running in a straight line, so he's good. Secondly, was it a bona fide slide with the attempt to make it to a base or avoid a tag? Well, yes, if the guy's trying to tag him, if he's not currently out and he's trying to avoid a tag, it's a, it's a bona fide slide. So you're good. He was sliding to avoid the tag. And three, was it a deliberate attempt to make contact with the fielder in order to break up a double play. Well, if the fielder's running straight at you as you go into your slide, no, you're not deliberately trying to make contact with the fielder to break up the double play. You're trying to avoid making contact with the fielder so he doesn't tag you, so you're not out. And he succeeded because he wasn't actually tagged out. He wasn't called out except that he eventually was because he got up and ran back to the dugout. So the umpire called him out for abandoning the base. Like if you watch the umpire, like he slides and the guy falls over him and the umpire is just standing there. He's like, yeah, you're good. All good. And the man of Chatter turns around and runs to the dugout and the umpire's like, okay, you're out. Yeah. Run to your bases unless the umpire calls you out. But yes, you can legally slide to break up a double play. Even if you're nowhere near the base, as long as you're trying to avoid a tag, which in that case Machado was because the runner or the fielder was trying to tag him. Say what you want about Machado being a dirty player. He probably is. My, in my opinion, he is. Um, but that was a clean play. He, that was a very clean and very legal play. There's nothing wrong with that. So what we do have things wrong with is our predictions. They're usually wrong. Um, they were again this week. Um, a couple, we had two predictions come off the board a couple weeks ago. Kyle predicted that, um, what's his face? Daniel Lynch will pitch six or more innings and give up less than three earned runs. He did not meet those thresholds in his major league debut. So for that, Kyle gets a nah. 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 Um, Wyatt predicted that, um, Marty Foster would make another bad call this week. I didn't see anything about one when I was looking. Um, I don't know if anybody else did, but barring somebody speaking up. Nope. Okay. Wyatt will also get a nah. 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 That prediction. Um, what was his original bad call that we were talking about? There was two of them. It was like in the same week too. It was, uh, I think he did the base, uh, the, the first, the first base out with. Oh yeah. 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 Yep. With the, the, yeah. The runners in effect. 
Oh, the interference on the pitcher, the base runner. Okay. Yeah, there was another call too that same week, uh, the, the week prior that I made. I don't remember what. It... Okay, I thought we might be talking about the 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 home run double call in Philadelphia with Leach Hoskins. That was actually the correct call. I went back and looked at that. If you look at the in most stadiums, that's a home run. But if you actually look at the ground rules for Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia, that railing that he hits it off of is in play. I've never seen a stadium where like the railing there is in play, but it is there. So that's the correct call anyway. So while you were talking, the other Marty Foster thing was like a bunt or something that happened. He called, I don't know, it was something weird. Oh, offering it a bunt or something, yeah. Well, yeah, the, the batter was set up to bunt, and I don't even know. It, it do something silly. This is based on something that I said before we started recording, and uh, I just had to do it just to stick it to and put my money where my mouth is. I said that since the NFL schedule came out and Cleveland Browns are facing the Kansas City Chiefs in week one, I said that the Browns will start the season – 0-1, obviously, therefore, the Chiefs being 1-0. You're basically saying the Chiefs will beat the Browns in week one. Yep, that is what I'm saying. I mean, this seems like a single. I'm not even going to – is it in Kansas City or in – It's in Kansas City. Okay, yeah, this is a single. We don't need Patrick time. Mahomes has never lost in September, and technically since it's a bye week, Andy Reid has never lost since being off a of bye week with the Chiefs. Yeah, we're not even going to talk about that one anymore. No. I'm going off the beaten path for my prediction. Uh, my slow pitch softball team, as I make a prediction about pretty much every year, has started the season three and three. We had a very dramatic hurdle to catcher for the walk-off win uh, last night. So to keep us at 500, my prediction is that we will finish at least 500, the regular season record. For context, how many wins did your team have last season? Not a lot. Uh, do you want to combine the summer and fall season? Actually, we only had one season last year because of COVID. Um, I think we only won two or three games all regular season last year. So uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. But I, I mean, how good do you think? How many games do you play in a season? Uh, I believe we'll play 16 this year. Oh, yeah. This is probably at least a triple, if not a home run. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll, I'm okay with the triple. I don't There's really... no chance y'all are going eight and eight. Uh, you never know. Maybe they're, maybe they're real good. Why are you good this season? I don't know. Okay. We're I... hitting the ball a little bit better and we're playing a little bit better defense. And that makes sometimes it, sometimes it's better to be lucky than it is to be good. That could be too. Hey, wins a win. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a triple's fine. I have some hope for you. I'm fine with the triple. Yeah. At a home run because I, I have some hope. I also have some hope that the Cubs will be at the top of the NL Central on June 1st. Right now, we are number two behind the Cardinals, two and a half games behind. Mm. Okay. In your last 10, you're also six and four, plus five run differential. You definitely have a week and a half. You can definitely make up two and a half games in a week and a half. It's possible, but is it probable? Who do they? Who, who's their schedule? So they get first place uh, St. Louis here. Over the weekend, yep. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And who do the Cardinals play? Uh, the Cardinals get they get obviously the Cubs. They get the White Sox and the Diamondbacks. That's a tougher schedule for the Cardinals. Cardinals do have a tougher schedule, so I think that actually brings this prediction down slightly. 
I'm thinking double or single. I was thinking I double. Yeah, I don't think it's a single. I think that's crap. Okay. What about the Brewers? I think based on where they're at right How now. How far are they behind? I guess I didn't check. Half a game behind. Okay, they're three games behind. Never mind. That's not a big, as big of a factor as I thought. Yeah, they're half a game behind the Cubs. Yeah, that's not nearly as big of a factor as I thought. I'm thinking double then? Yep. I'm okay with that. Cool. Do we have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Still alive, but he did not, uh, not have a prediction. He's upset that uh, the Brewers are blacked out in the Cedar Rapids area of Iowa. Do you know that, what is it, six major league teams are blacked out in the state of Iowa? The White Sox, Cubs, Brewers, Twins, Royals, and Cardinals are all blacked out on MLB.TV in the state of Iowa. Just Which saying. Would be fantastic because they are geographically the most obvious location for fans in Iowa. I hate it. I hate it a lot. Anyway, so without getting into a rant about MLB.TV... ESPN and Disney's conglomerate. We'll say we're at the end of the Write That Down prediction segment with a single, double, and a triple, and no prediction from Josh, which means we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 130 of the. Be sure to check out our Instagram at 8311cast, where we post cool pictures, videos, and other fun things you can check out there. Signing off for the 8311cast, we have your hosts Kyle Marsh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Tudor. We'll talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclone.